Okay, so this is Victorplasm episode 110, and I will be talking about an indie sci-fi series called Breakers. So, um, Breakers is an indie short science fiction series, and I, I think it started as a web series, and it's directed by Chase and Lang. I saw it streaming on Amazon Prime, and that obviously may limit your ability to see it, but I do recommend it if you can get it. It's a 10-episode series with most episodes around the 30-minute mark, and it has the, I don't know, the, the raw feel that I like from indie films, which works really well in this science fiction story. Now, uh, normally I give a quick summary of the plot, and then some remarks, and then some media recommendations, but this time, because the central trope is so well-worn, I'm going to struggle to talk about the gameable aspects without reference to a lot of other media that uses the same trope, so it's going to be a bit more mixed up this time around. Well then, without further ado, I'll just jump into the synopsis. Now the TLDR of Breakers is it's Groundhog Day, but with two important twists. Number one, there's an underlying espionage stroke political plot running through the day involving the titular Harper Ross. Uh, so the, the full title of Breakers is Breakers Saving Harper Ross. Uh, and number two, and this is a slight spoiler, people can wake up from the loop. So there isn't just a single protagonist. And, you know, that, that's a deviation from the traditional single point of view, who's um, reliving the loop over and over again until they fix things. And instead we have multiple characters with different views of the loop, some of them trying to fix it. Um, some of these are protagonists and some are antagonists, which is interesting. And because there's the underlying thriller plot, it starts to matter who gets awakened to the loop. Now, the first protagonist in the loop is Jack, played by James DeWitt III. Uh, he's reliving the same day over and again. And it's a day in which his employer is being investigated by the government for some kind of mass fraud. His work buddy is trying to convince him to go on a blind date. And his housemate is waking him up, demanding to know where his favourite Xbox controller is. Now, it's the, the usual list of what appears to be inconsequential things happening that change and gain meaning through repeated days. Now, thanks to his blind date, he witnesses the killing of the titular Harper Ross by Tig, who is the pet assassin of Congresswoman Paula Faust, who is the main antagonist. And she is played extremely well by Anne Baer. Now, Faust is, you know, a Serverland-style manipulator, and she's a real joy to watch, I think. Harper Ross is one of her aides, who has apparently lost her taste for the job and has stolen, um, well, it's a MacGuffin in the form of a USB drive of secret stuff. Now, Jack's also gone to a psychiatrist called Jessica Parker to try to understand why he's reliving the same day over and again. And to get repeat appointments every day, he repeatedly intercepts her actual appointment, Earl, giving him some excuse as to why she's not available. Earl appears to be an inconsequential side character. You know, the kind who exists to provide many iterations of a single joke, you know, like um, Ned Ryerson and Groundhog Day. Actually, he's a lot more than that. Um... Other characters, okay, we have a couple of cops, uh, Mills and Mary Poppins, that's Poppins with one P, um, as a bunch of gangsters with connections to Faust, and also to Poppins because she's a dirty cop. Uh, there's the government investigators who are investigating Jack's firm. There's a character called Darwin, who is this you know, violent, unstable miscreant who begins the day tied up in a dive bar owned by the gangsters. And um, there's also Jack's grandfather, who's called uh, Papo who's this you know, extremely likeable, cantankerous old man who has uh, an innate distrust of cell phones and is Jack's sounding board and confidant. So the hook, then, is obviously that Jack is reliving the same day, and as a consequence, he views the same day from multiple perspectives, and by doing so, he uncovers the plot to kill Harper Ross. And as a result, he takes actions not only to save her, but also to understand his conditions. 
Um, and in response, he develops more strategies to win at fixing the day and saving the girl. But whilst this is going on, we have the machinations of our other characters, including Faust's campaign, the gangsters, the inspectors, cricket cops, and the maniac Darwin. And it's important to note that all the characters are connected together. You know, it's it's not a diffuse slice of life setting. All of the characters have a role, a very specific role to play in the plot. Now, here's the kicker. Uh, if Jack dies, the day resets, just as it does when he gets to midnight. But if characters die at the same time as Jack, or possibly die just in his presence, then they also awaken. They can then access their memories of previous iterations of the same day. So they remember dying or having other things happening to them. And the first people to wake up are Harper Ross and Jessica Parker, because the three of them, including Jack, killed in the first confrontation with Faust and her hitman Tig. And they meet up together and start to formulate ways to take Faust down. And the assumption being that, to break the loop, they need to stop Harper being killed. Fair enough. We get a whole episode devoted to Harper Ross's backstory with Faust as one of her aides who is well aware of Faust's illegal activities. And then in the present day, the trio execute a plan to defeat Faust, which brings pretty much all of the various characters together in some waste ground. And a grenade is thrown and many shots are fired. The policeman is betrayed by his partner and so on. And at this point, the field of play shifts again. Now we have a whole lot of new arrivals on the scene, a lot of new awakened characters and the plans become complicated by the characters second guessing who is awake and who isn't darwin becomes one of the awakened and presents a new perspective on the time loop you know that actions are meaningless he gets jack's attention by bombing a post office i think because you know who cares it's just a post office it's not a real person and he recruits him to rob a bank and at which point you know he, he expresses his view that nothing matters in this time loop that they're all awakened to, there's no consequence. You know, it's a very nihilistic view. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there's no fat in the plot. All of the various characters come together at the end. And this includes Jack's employer, whose shady dealings are now being investigated by the federal government. Um, and they have a connection to Faust. So yeah, it's this Gordian knot, as it were. Also, Faust Awakens, which is the focus for one key episode where they have to guess whether she's aware of the previous versions of the day or not and that makes for a really tense episode so obviously then we, we get start to get this game of spy versus spy between the two factions who are um trying to get control of the loop jack leads the investigators to the evidence they need proust faction has a response the day resets and so on at the same time at this end stage we get into the higher questions about the loop about the supernatural the belief in god and so on so, as mentioned before, Darwin believes nothing they do has consequence. Faust believes herself to be a god. Jack is mostly characterised by his lack of belief or um, uncertainty. And this leads into the climax, which is, is basically his apotheosis. He goes through a sort of death and rebirth and suddenly gets the ability to transcend reality and be in several places at once. And by dint of his new powers, he saves Harper. Um, and, if I'm being honest, it's a bit of a sledgehammer ending... It's not quite a deus ex machina ending, but it's kind of phoning it in. But the important thing is Jack's trials lead him to being initiated into an order of... Um, well, they deny being angels, but in their own words, they stand against a relentless tide of evil in the world. Um, and they therefore refer to themselves as the Breakers. 
And it's implied that the loops are part of their method of writing the world. So they have a problem and they just repeat the day until the right set of circumstances come about. Um, it sounds like the beginnings of um, the Highway to Heaven or Littlest Hobo format, except that the, um, you know, the, the methods are to do with reiterating reality around a particular period of time um, until the bad guys dealt with, obviously. And that is you know, really unusable as a series format. How would you do that? Um, it's almost a pastiche of, you know, that kind of TV pilot the, where the character is being introduced. Um, and, and for that reason, I think I'd, you know, I'd give it a round of applause because the end state is him being recruited. And then, you know, that's a pretty good ending. I certainly don't think you need to see any more episodes of it. But anyway, that's the synopsis. Now, to make any meaningful remarks on the setup, I need to dive into this trope of the Groundhog Day template. And there are many, many examples of this, including films and TV, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, Buffy, Doctor Who, Fringe, apparently, and so on. Um, I think what I'll do is I'll link to the TV Tropes page that discusses Groundhog Day loops, and you can trawl through the media yourself. Uh, Amazon Prime, actually, alone has three different exclusive movies that revolve around this trope, those being Palm Springs, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, and Boss Level. So um, I'm going to pick out some specific examples which show what I think are the important variations of the genre. And I don't think I can start without first tackling Groundhog Day, which is which arguably populates time loops, even though... The Girl Who Let Through Time uh, from 1965 is considered the Ur example, by TV tropes at least. And uh, there's an anthology film called Dead of Night, which predates Groundhog Day by five decades. Um, but anyway, I'm sure I don't need to go through the plot of Groundhog Day, but just to illustrate the consequences of the time loop, Bill Murray goes through several changes of mood, considers his actions to have no consequence, considers himself to be a god, and finally becomes a selfless character who is completely transformed by his experience. So there is this kind of, um, again, this apotheosis. It's very, you know, Joseph Campbell. Anyway, several of the philosophical concepts like what we do has no consequence and we are gods also feature in Breakers. But otherwise, it's just a single perspective. So then the next film I want to talk about is Edge of Tomorrow, which was, I think, retitled Live, Die, Repeat. And that stars Emily Blunt and um, some famous guy which was adapted from the Japanese novel All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. I pronounced that right. I haven't read the novel, uh, but the protagonist gets to repeat the day thanks to the infection with alien blood that um, has some sort of temporal link. And then the narrative becomes repeated training over and again and walking through the same scenario over and again, avoiding the same threats and so on. You know, only one person experiences the time loop, but people who've previously been looping can empathise and help the primary character. And we get the same changes in mood that we see in Groundhog Day. We have a character who, I don't know, he gradually gains near superhuman competence and is at the same time utterly worn down by his experience. But unlike Breakers, nothing changes about the set pattern of the day, and no one else has agency within the time loop. So then I'm going to come on to Palm Springs, which is an Amazon-exclusive film. And this is at a wedding set in Palm Springs in California, where one of the guests is experiencing the same day over and again, and has chosen just to, I don't know, settle into a debauched and anarchic lifestyle. The key element here is that the other characters get brought into the time loop. Some of them are antagonistic to the primary characters, and the repeating day becomes a, a sort of battleground, although that's a minor part of the overall plot, 
But this idea that there are two rival factions exploring the time loop and moving against one another is something that, obviously, it has in common with Breakers. Next, there's um, Before I Fall, which is a novel by Lauren Oliver, which mashes up the time loop with teen high school drama. And this time, rather than having protagonist death resetting the day, the protagonist death is the inevitable conclusion to the day and the event that the closure of the loop is leading to. So it's the inverse of Save Harper Ross, so to speak. Uh, and I enjoyed both the book and the film version, which I think is on Netflix. And so then, staying with Netflix, there's Russian Doll, starring Natasha Leon, whose character suffers um, multiple deaths, mainly by falling down the stairs at a party. And each time it happens, she has the air of, oh no, here we go again. The most important thing about this is how the time loop changes as the plot progresses. The number of secondary characters gets smaller, the party she attends changes, and so on. So it's this kind of collapsing time loop. But also, there are two separate characters experiencing their own time loop, within the global loop, as it were, who find each other. So there's this idea of intersecting time loops, meaning that it's some kind of global event, which is maybe subtly different from a person being awakened and drawn into another character's loop. And so this is just a, a list of a few of what I think are the most interesting variants I can think of for the time loop. And this focuses mostly on the mechanism rather than the why of the time loop. There's plenty of SF explanations based on either quantum physics or artificial reality like um, boss level or ARQ. And there are a few adjacent examples of not being in a loop but somehow out of time, um, like Stephen King's The Langoliers. And sometimes the loop happens over a longer or shorter time span, and sometimes the loop shortens with each iteration. For example, in the book Replay by Ken Grimwood. But mostly, I think I've captured the variants which give us the levers we can apply, so I'm going to list them now. Number one, whether or not the day changes with each iteration. Number two, how many people are aware of the loop. Number three, whether people can be brought into or even pushed out of the loop. Number four, how the awakened find each other or are aware of each other. Number five, how the loop appears to each of the protagonists. And number six, whether there are different factions who exist within the loop and oppose each other. So, now I'm going to think about games, and while I was thinking about this, I, I actually started by thinking about a couple of examples of games I've played or run. Um, so, firstly, I ran a game called Morville, which was um, more rats mashed up with Smallville, but it was with a time loop thrown in, and it was, it was basically a holodeck variant of the loop, in that it was being controlled by an external agency who were observing the PCs in a kind of Matrix-like environment. And I think it was their town that had been wiped out by an alien spaceship crash, and they were the only survivors, and they were being kept in suspended animation in a computer simulation so the army could work out why they had survived and why they had been changed at a genetic level. It was quite silly. Um, but then another game was Duck and Cover, and this was run by Liz and Ree. And you know, this was a time loop style game which was about students in a time loop going to school, being given a briefing on what to do in the case of the impending apocalypse, and then the apocalypse happening. So day to day, this varied from a nuclear war to a zombie outbreak to a massive tidal wave and so on. And they started each day with a variant on the same government broadcast to duck and cover its nuclear war or duck and cover its zombies. And, and, and I asked Liz if she could remember how the game was wrapped up. And she basically said, well, I don't know, some kind of ritual, I guess. OK, that's, that's not a great answer, but it does point to a basic common theme that the end state is nearly always resolving the time loop. That's almost certainly what the players will be thinking, even if that's not quite how they're playing their characters. The players are going to think, OK, what is the end state for the time loop that will close the game? 
So deconstructing this kind of scenario, my first thought about this kind of scenario is you'll have insiders and you'll have outsiders. You know, there are the people in the know who are awakened with agency. And then there are people on the outside going through the motions of their predetermined script. And this makes me think that the time loop genre has quite a few things in common with the espionage genre, especially when you come to factions within the insiders in the loop. I go back to the role-playing games by Ethico uh, called Continuum and Narcissist, which are two complementary games wholly based on paranoia about who you can trust. They're both about time travel. And people in the Continuum are told to always trust their future self because they know more than you. People who are narcissists, and I think actually, I can't remember what they actually call themselves, but narcissist is a pejorative, uh, but people who are the, quotes, narcissists, believe never trust your future self because they their opinion may have changed um so in any case you have the whole of reality and millions of years to play in but the only people who matter are the people outside time who are small in number and they all know each other and that's the same for a lot of role-playing games i guess and in particular things like uh, urban fantasy where you you have a small underclass of you know supernatural creatures they all know each other and the people around them are kind of irrelevant because they're all humans. Um, but it's not quite the same as that because in that sort of game, you know, the characters get the dramatic spotlight and the only people who matter are the protagonists. Fair enough. Um, in this, though, in a time loop, it's more like saying that the people who are conscious of the loop are real. No one else is real. Everyone else is just a, a recording going through motions. Um, and this is partly because you can do anything to those people who are just going through the motions and they'll just reset next day. So there's, there's no consequences that are applied to those non-player characters. Um, I guess this does bring up a whole load of questions about how people relate to people still asleep in the time loop, whether they treat them like real people or not. And if they treat them like real people, what they get out of a relationship, which is essentially one-sided. But the main thing I wanted to underline about that is that people who are aware of the time loop or the conspiracy or are in the special club are going to be the protagonists and the people to watch. And perhaps some of them aren't obviously in the loop, so to speak. I've, um, I've been watching iZombie on Netflix, which is really good because it's written by Rob Thomas, the, the, the guy who did Veronica Mars. And one of the key things in that is... Um, you have some people who are inside the zombie circle and who's outside, and a lot of zombies are passing for human. And the same is true of World of Darkness. You know, you have people who are inside and people who are outside. But the thing that makes you an insider in a time loop is persistence of memory. People who are going through the motions just forget. Now, of course, in Breakers, we have a mechanism for how people wake up. Um, and once a character wakes up, they can obviously make new memories and they can get agency. The question I've got is, uh, do they retain all the memories from the previous loops, or just the? Do, does it start at the point they were they were killed in the last uh, in the previous loop? You know that that could give you access to a whole load of uh, levers to do with suppressed memories. Now, if your character had had a previous experience of earlier iterations, could these rise to the surface? Might they create uncertainty about what memories are reliable? Could they trigger past trauma? Uh, in, in Breakers, Mills remembers being betrayed and shot by Poppins, although that is immediately before he wakes up. And generally, the trauma of past days could hang about like little traps for the plot down the road. But the problem I would see with that is it, it's going to be hard to drop those into the narrative without it feeling quite um, arbitrary. 
that the GM or player has suddenly declared that your feelings for another character have changed because you've just remembered this thing. And you don't really want to do that. I, I think that's also going to kill the agency. I think the only way you could manage that if you want to bring that kind of complication into the game is to make the relationships a bit fuzzy and uncertain. You know, mechanising that is going to be quite challenging. Um, I know some games, like Monster Hearts, uses strings and such to, you know, create subsystems for character trust. What happens then is, if you do that, I think that might go too far the other way, which is then, if you've got a system for that, you know, rating trust, you know, which direction it's swinging in, that becomes a feature of every interaction. And that's kind of going to clog up the game, unless that's the game you want to play. I kind of think that it would distract from what the game is really about, which is the time loop. You know, the people who are awake within the time loop are still the characters that matter. And if you want to have a crazy game where no one trusts each other and everyone thinks they're working towards a particular end, perhaps a mutually exclusive one, um, that's a PvP game, which could be quite fun in the, you know, in the way that Chrononauts is fun. Uh, Everyone's, you know, some people are moving towards um, a reality where the world is destroyed because they're a cockroach. Uh, Anyway, I drifted a bit off topic a bit the the main thing i want to bear in mind is that the insiders are aware of the time loop and they may all be of the same faction or and this may work better for a game they represent two opposing factions with different ideas on how the day should end and this brings me to my next bullet point which is the day itself and how to organize it and i was thinking there are a couple of ways i can think to do that you know you you have you could do it by sandbox. I, I talked in the Running Man episode that you know, sandbox would be a good way to do the Running Man. So you, you have your key locations, which will be populated by certain characters at set times. Uh, and you know people coming into contact them will disrupt those patterns of activity. But otherwise, they will be known to be going through the motions, otherwise, assuming they're still asleep. And of course, the other way, which, which actually it's not exclusive, you could do both, is you have a timetable for each NPC, which is the script they'll follow throughout the day if not interrupted. Yeah, actually, those are both the same thing, aren't they? Um, I can see it being quite ambitious to set up if you have a lot of characters, so the only way I can think to make this work is to keep the number of NPCs small, which is why um, small numbers of antagonists and small communities, you know, um, keeping keeping the sandbox limited is probably going to be the only way to make this manageable. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there's no fat in the plot. Every character has something to do. And that might play into how you do the scenario design. Okay, so then the last consideration I have is to do with the outcomes of the day. Now, assume you're all driving towards something that will close the time leap for the desired result and that the characters can make it happen eventually. Maybe there are two different objectives for two different factions. In theory, this could be an interesting game. The problem I have is working out how this doesn't result in some kind of stalemate. And the only way I can think of to manage this as a viable RPG is to have each character with a set goal and enough of the goals to be fulfilled in the same day that the loop is closed. And that's okay for a setup where the characters are all pulling in the same direction. For opposing factions, it might not work unless something quite clever happens. Uh, And it could also be the sort of thing that's fine for a novel, but not good for an RPG, because you end up, I don't know, frustrating the efforts of the the party far too arbitrarily. So I'm going to consider running the scenario where the loop gets closed, with the individual goals of various characters get satisfied, and you hit a certain threshold. And, And while I was having this idea, it was partly influenced by a superhero game I played years ago, which was 
all about the guardians of reality working various events in the timeline to promote one version of reality to be the dominant one and marginalize the others. And there wasn't really any mechanism for this. It was just a setup for the rest of the scenario. But it, it kind of worked like the timeline was on a points-based system and, and you didn't need to say, switch one timeline to another. It was more that you were making one more likely. So you could have characters who are aware of multiple timelines, but what you were really doing is getting a critical mass of enough of the characters getting what they want, and then the loop resolves with the ending that the majority get what they want. Although, also, you might have the case that some characters don't get what they want, but that the reality where they don't get what they want becomes the dominant one. And I think that would be interesting, and I think it would meet the requirements of, of a game to have player agency. You know, if the various goals were mutually exclusive as well, that would create additional complications. But what that would mean is it's in the PC's hands to decide what combination of positive outcomes result in closing the loop, and therefore who's going to be disappointed. So then you bring in concepts of sacrifice, sacrifice of the protagonist, sacrifice of other people. Then you bring into question about whether or not you believe the people who are still asleep are actually real people. Do they matter? Um, I think it would be quite an intense scenario to write and balance out, but I think it's the approach that feels the most game-like to me, with some very definite winners and losers. You know, a lot of time loop fiction does conclude in either a really obvious way, like Bill Murray becoming a better person, or the characters falling in love, or the monsters being defeated, whereas the more interesting take is probably around compromise and sacrifice. And in the end, what if some characters won, but others had to sacrifice something, you know, maybe their lives, maybe giving up on some goal with the inevitable consequences? And maybe you could make this kind of scenario slightly competitive? Each PC has a track that indicates progress to their individual goal. You know, that's tricky to measure that and trickier to implement in real time at the table. But it's possibly the best way, fairest way to make it work. And let's say the NPCs have some kind of track themselves that measures their own progress towards the alternative outcome for the loop. You could even have this doom track, you know, as, as a player-facing object on the table, uh, particularly if the... Um, the enemy is working towards their own conclusions. You know, the Doom track is, is put to really good use in games like Arkham Horror, or um, there's tension in Dead of Night, so you this ramping up of where the conclusion and, and the climax is going to happen. I'm not sure I've got any concrete examples of how I do the scenario design, but I think as is maybe appropriate for a story about iterative changes, I have iterated my way to something that could work. I don't know. All right, I think I'm going to round off the episode shortly. So what I really want to do is just talk a bit more about some other complementary media. Um, and I want to raise the question, what happens if you have a time loop and the characters don't have agency? They can't change anything about the outcome. Then that is obviously purgatory or eternal torture. One of the um, Hellraiser sequels, which I think is Hellraiser Inferno, it's the fifth one, I think, it it's features a time loop as part of the protagonist's punishment in hell. Um, and that's also the method used to punish people in hell in the uh, TV adaptation of Garth Ennis's Preacher. And this calls to mind other fiction which doesn't have time loop in it, but nonetheless does have lack of agency. For example, Angel Heart with Mickey Rook or um, Barton Fink, Coen Brothers. 
you know, th there's nothing the character can do to escape, even though it looks like they can escape. Those are going to be really annoying for players to play in. Um, you know, the players don't like having no agency, and, and quite right too. I mean, one, one of the things I really appreciated about the early indie games movement was the focus on character agency, which is maybe a backlash to the worst parts of the World of Darkness metaplot, where every event was, you know, set in stone, and you're mostly being actors and spectators. But anyway, um, I just wanted to mention that concept as well. Really kind of a saying, if you're going to have a time loop, make sure your characters can do something in the loop. Don't turn it into, you know, a, a hellish cycle, um, because that's just not going to be fun. Um, give people a way out. Give people a way to fix things. Um, okay, that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. The second thing I wanted to talk about was um, a couple of other bits of indie cinema, which... Um, the ones I'm thinking of are about other weird things to do with time. Not quite loops, but they have they, they occupy the same space. One of them is Primer, which is a really low-budget 2004 film about a pair of characters who build a time travel device, which they do with the aim of manipulating stock trades. Um, and the other one is Coherence, and that's from 2013, which is another indie film. You know, it involves not a time loop, but a conjunction of multiple dimensions as the Earth passes through the tail of a comet involving multiple versions of the same characters in the same space who end up, well, to a certain extent, opposing each other. Um, I enjoyed both very, very much. Um, and it has much of the same feel as Breakers, including, you know, the, the roughness, the sparse locations that I think really enhance the elements of the story. Um, they really they really enhance the, uh, the atmosphere, the ambience on the screen, the feeling of th something being slightly wrong. So then, um, last thing I want to mention just quickly, which is a little bit different, but relevant, is uh, the Netflix series Travellers, which is all about sending characters back in time to occupy bodies who are dying. And these travellers are agents from the future acting on instructions and a grand plan of an AI sometime in the future to avert some apocalyptic disaster. What you get is another spy game where you have insiders, those who know about the timelines, and outsiders who are natives to the 21st century and not aware of what's going on. But also there's more than one faction of travellers, there's more than one AI, there's an alternative competing objective with alternative timeline. So that's worth a watch as well. Okay, that's the end of this episode. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, thank you to my patrons for your continued support. If, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe as always, five-star review on iTunes is always appreciated, and if you feel like supporting the podcast directly through Patreon, that would be groovy, but, you know, your option. Music, as always, is by Chris Zabriskie. Find out more at www.chrisabriskie.com. Until next time, bye. Bye.